We are six women. We are wordsmiths. We are magic. We are curious. We are contradictions. We are wanderers. We are people of many names. We are mind trekkers and story weavers. We are adventurous spirits. We continue to grow. We've been baptized in the font of dream and memory. We are partly truth and partly fiction. I am Gail. I am Joanne. I am Margie. I am Katie. I am Marion. I am Mary. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. Okay. Welcome to the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers podcast. I am this week's navigator, and I am the queen. We're going to start out. Oh, I will say we're missing one half of the mystics for various and sundry reasons, which we've given them an excused absence. But with us today is... Margie. Hi, Margie. Hey, Hello, Mary. Hello, Margie. <laughs> Margie Bright Raglan, Mystic Illuminator. There we go. And I am Mary, the nebulous mystic. And of course, I am the queen. And we are going to start off by talking about our Mystic Week. And Margie, you want to start telling you about your Mystic Week? Yes, my Mystic Week included something that we called the Fall Festival at Opelika Art House that included six artists, not five. My sister, Siri Andre. Vanna Black, an artist from Atlanta, Bernice Fishman, our jeweler, Julia Kilgard, mixed media, print, and me, Margie, paintings, and also clothing at the Art House, which is run by and owned by Ginger Stern and her brother Jay, in honor of both of their parents. They built this fabulous studio, and then they've got artist studio, actually venue for art, and then art studios behind, in honor of both of their parents, her mother, who was the art teacher in Opelika, for years and founded East Alabama Art Association and her dad, whose house, H-A-U-S, who was a German Jew who immigrated to Opelika in the 30s, got out of Germany and um, was a really prominent person in Opelika. I have a question about all that. I went to the art show and the reading the night before by the fabulous mystics of East Alabama fiction writers. And But my question is, you can buy the Margie clothing in other places, can't you, besides just a, a show like that? Uh, yes, thanks, Gail, for the little send-up. <laughs> yes, you can You can buy it at my website, www.margieebr.com. It's MargieBR, www. And can't locals just come to your house and try on everything? Yes, they can. Not your house, your studio. My studio, yes. And Margie's in her studio every afternoon creating art because she is an ADD art fanatic. <laughs> and, uh, I can't help myself. I can just call her and say, can I come try on clothes this afternoon? And I call her so she'll turn on the air conditioning before oh, yeah. I get there. Yeah. And how is your Mystic Week, Miss Mary? I just want to say that one day Margie showed up at a meeting and she's like, look, guys, look what I've done. And there were like four pieces of clothing that she had spread out on in the back room in somebody's bedroom. And, and it was like, oh, that is so cool. You can get your artwork on your clothing. And now, now Margie has how many pieces of clothing? Thousands. Thousands and thousands. And um, they're so much fun. And the, and what I love about Margie is when she has a show, instead of taking uh, several samples <laughs> of each size, she literally, and I am not kidding, 
hires a U-Haul it truck and takes the entire collection. And the day she has to bring it back to the studio, if you should talk to Margie, Margie goes, I can hardly lift the phone. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. How many times have I never done that again? But truly, if there is anybody listening that has not seen Margie's clothes, it is the most, it's the combination of beautiful and whimsical and just absolutely out of this world. I mean, you can get yoga pants with her they're, creations on them. And Mushrooms. They're made, from, they're made from recycled plastic bottles. There you go. So oh, all the more reason. Yeah, the yoga pants and the oh, jackets. Was, and, uh, the jackets are? Uh-huh. The Frida not, jackets? Not the Fridas, but yeah. the, the new zip jackets. When well, she says Frida, she's talking about Frida Kahlo on the clothes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a style of the jacket, too. We call oh, them cardigans, okay. but the company calls them free. They have names for the company in Montreal that produces them. Oh, I take that back. Work. And now they're using Margie's clothing on their professional models. So That's right. They are. Check it out. We knew her when, though. Yeah, back when. Okay, Mary, tell me about your Mystic Week. In addition to going to a reading and, and reading at Margie's uh, wonderful art show, and we really enjoyed it, and I loved meeting your sister, whose name I can't say because my phone will start talking to me. No. Does it start with an S? It does, and it ends with an E sound. That's E-R-E-Y. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I had a double event. So my weekend started off with um, taking uh, my dad's ashes down the Tallapoosa River and dumping them after five years, and it was a glorious exper- experience and I wrote about it if you want to read about it in the Auburn Villager or online yeah you can read it online at their online site and it's going to be in our next book the mystic memoir there you go it was a fabulous event and we brought it to some of daddy's old graduate students and drank whiskey and threw his ashes in the river and there were friends and family it was just really fun and huge shout out to tp joe for putting it all together because we were obviously procrastinating doing it since it had been five years i I took some pictures and i sent a picture to my friend chris who should listen and she said, look, here are daddy's ashes in the river. And she texted back, oh, my God, have they been there that whole time? <laughs> so we were thinking of doing a yearly pilgrimage to visit the ashes that in just remain in one spot in, in the, the river. river. Yeah. But that was, Can you, you know, get arrested for, driving, for canoeing drunk? We, I don't think it's legal to imbibe an alcohol on the river. So we just pretended to do those shots. Oh, I see. Um, but, you know, even if we had done them, the funny thing about those imaginary shots of um, Evan is Williams. Is real? <laughs> is that everybody, had they taken those shots, would have yelled, woo, afterwards because it was so <laughs> awful. But it was fabulous. Daddy would have absolutely loved it. We had eagles, bald eagles out there with us. It was just great. But someone said that in Babe Ruth's funeral. It was really, really hot. And uh, a guy at the funeral said, I'd give anything for a beer. And his friend said, so would the babe. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, Daddy's real funeral was at a bar, and we did drink beer. But that was was five years ago. I can't believe that. So the other mystic part was going to hear uh, Janice Ray, Margaret Wrinkle, and Dwight, uh uh-oh, I'm going to miss this name, Andrews, um, the pastor at the first congregational church in Atlanta, and I should have written all this down because I'm probably getting my names wrong, but it's an event, uh, the the confluence, they call it, of 
of activism, environmentalism, and art. And hearing um, Janice Ray and Margaret Wrinkle especially read and talk is a mystical experience. And Janice made herself cry talking about how many things were broken and many people break things. And she cast her lot with with us, the tribe who doesn't destroy but tries to, to you know, keep things meaning the natural world alive. And Margaret Wrinkle also had a really interesting point. She talked about how in all of her classes, she was taught not to tell the reader when she's writing, not to tell the reader what the message is. The reader should be smart enough to get the message. but To show the reader through your writing. Exactly. But with when you're taking on something like the environment, that we are so close to the precipice that, that a lot of environmental writers are writing a little differently now, and it's you know you you actually might have to spell some things out because we're so close to the catastrophe, and that was very interesting. Oh, we're not close to it; we're having it in Puerto we're Rico in today, it. for example. Yes, Horrible. no power. So that was interesting. It was interesting to hear these fabulous writers and activists. And by the way, those women are radicals. I just want you to know. Oh, good, good. So that that was two very mystical experiences this week. Well, the Queen's Mystical Week was where she stepped way out of her comfort zone because the Queen has on her jammies by 7 o'clock every night and is asleep by the time Jeopardy's over. But a friend, a good friend, invited me to go see Jason Isbell. Oh, I'm jealous. At the Gouge Center, and it was outside in the amphitheater. So one reason I went, well, I, I went to be with my good friend, but also another reason I went is Jason Isbell is my son's favorite. When Jason was a young musician, he played in all the bars in Auburn, Alabama, and he'd go to all the private parties. And, of course, Rivers would follow him everywhere and chat him up. And he even, Rivers interviewed him when for Weagle, when Rivers was a, a radio announcer for Weagle. And so he... I asked him this week how many times he'd seen him, and he said, well, he knew he'd been to the drive-by truckers 25 to 30 times, and he couldn't even count the times he's seen the Jason Isbell band. But anyway, I'm not cool, so I did uh, have earplugs. <laughs> but the cool thing was, I was in the third row, in the middle, right in front of Jason Isbell, and I thought, I'm going to have somebody take my picture here before it gets started and send it to my 30-something son so he can be totally jealous of me. Because generally, he's not very jealous of his elderly mother. No. So um, I just picked this random dude and said, well, you go walk to the back and take my picture standing right up front. And so he did. And I put it on Facebook. And I'll put it on the Mystic Orders web page. So that was my Mystic Week. That's very Mystic. He's another radical writer. His, he's an excellent songwriter, I think, and he got me you, through many hard times you know, on the road. You know, at yeah. this concert, I will say that Jason Isbell and two other fellas are amazing guitarists. Just watching them play was phenomenal. But I couldn't hear Jason sing. I couldn't oh. hear the words. And I don't know if it's because I was too close or I wasn't near the right speaker or what, but I was disappointed because everybody said that to me. I love mm -hmm. the words of this song and that song. But I did see some amazing guitar playing. Well, you'll probably like the words. You can always, you know, listen to them on YouTube or Spotify. There's some really beautiful songs. And also, he's He's so outspoken against some of the things that people associate with the South. He would fall into that category of... Rivers says he's my son, the 30-something. Rivers says he's an awfully nice person. He seems to be. Okay, well... I'm jealous. The Navigator is going to introduce the subject. And I, uh, this was my idea at the time. 
and uh, one that I can't particularly be proud of because when I started working on the subject of our podcast, I thought, this is so huge. <laughs> no human could complete this task in the amount of time. But we are going to be talking about the Fab Four. And by that, I mean the four things that we love the most. The first is songs. So uh, Mystic Margie, what are your four fabulous favorite songs? Well, one of my favorite songs is, is um, by Schumann, which is Scenes from Childhood, which is a wonderful melody that I just love. It just brings back all kinds of memories, and I think it's a, oh, a great song. So that was Schumann, Scenes from Childhood. Also, uh, Red Dirt Girl by um, a country singer that I've, it's escaping me. I wrote it down, and I don't have it with me, but you can know. Who are your favorite uh, country girl singers that are... Wait, I know Red Dirt Girl. I'm, you just keep talking. I'll look okay. it up. Then Once in a Very Blue Moon by Nancy Griffith. And then Anything by Patty Griffith. Uh, Nancy Griffin is Once in a Very Blue Moon. And then Anything by Patty Griffin. She's just one of my favorite singers. Or Patty Smith, is it? No, Patty Griffin. Griffin. Okay. Not Patty Smith. I like Patty Smith, too. But oh, no. Emmy Lou Harris. Emmy Lou Harris, of oh, course. How could I not Lou. remember that? So Red Dirt Girl by Emmy Lou Harris. All right. One of my favorites. Well, Mary, what are She's your four fab, fabulous fab songs? Okay, yeah. So I told Gail I've, I've become paralyzed if you ask me my favorite anything. So I have to say, here are four songs I really love. Four fabulous songs. And I wrote them down. Um, but I, oh, uh, well, I really love a lot of songs by Bob Dylan, but I really like Tangled Up in Blue. It's so much fun to sing yes, along to. Yes. And, of course, he changes the list, the song, the lyrics every time he sings it. But I love it. There's something about that song that sends me on a road trip state of mind. And um, I will sing at the top of my lungs to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, if you turn it on, so you might want to leave. And I like a lot of his songs. I think Joni Mitchell comes from another planet and that we don't deserve to share the planet with her. And I turned inside out on just about every song on the album Blue, but River might be my favorite. It's the one that starts off yeah, like a Christmas song. One. And, um, you know, I pretty much anything. I, I'm, I love the Beatles, the Fab Four. So just, and that's the name of our, love our podcast, yeah, the just Fab love Four. Them. I've, I've been listening to them my entire life. They came to America the year I was born. Oh, thank you. Well, my Fab Four songs... The first one is The Sisters of Mercy by Leonard Ooh, Cohen. Love, oh, yeah. And I love it. And then the second one is Always on My Mind by Willie Nelson. Also nice. And then the third one is Perfect by Ed Sheeran. And I love it when he sings it with, they change it to Perfect Symphony when he plays it with Andrea Bocelli. And it's a beautiful song. And then the last one is Corky. It's Rainbow Connection that was written by Paul Williams. But it's performed to my particular liking by my love interest, uh, Jamie Baggio, who was a whiff and proof at, poof at Yale and sang it. And that he came to my attention. So I've tried to friend him on Facebook several times and he's ignored me. I don't know why. An elderly woman from Alabama. That seems pretty enticing to me. Um, Damn, I thought that was performed by Kermit the Frog. Oh, well, one time, yes. Yeah. But he can't. He doesn't hold a candle to, 
<laughs> so I, Jamie. I love Kermit. <laughs> I absolutely adore that song. I love it. I do too. I love it. I'm trying to play it on the piano with very little luck, <laughs> but the keyboard. But Jamie was a whiff and poof in um, 95, and uh, he brought the whiff and poofs to my attention, and I've branched out. I've actually gone to a whiff and poof production. But now this Jamie is in London, and he's a star in uh, London musical of Moulin Rouge, which I looked it up today, and lights are out today for the Queen, and Mm. refundable tickets for the day. But so those are my favorite songs. And now we are to four favorite movies. And we're looking at you, Mystic Margie. Right. Well, one of my favorite movies that was made in 1985 is a Swedish film called My Life as a Dog. A lot of people never saw it, but I would recommend it. You can see it. My Life as a Dog. It's a coming coming of age film about a a young boy who's sent away to live with cousins uh, while his mother is actually trying to recover from tuberculosis. But it's a a lighthearted film, but it's very poignant, too. It's it's funny, but I just... Is it based on the book? Yes, it is. Is it in English, or do you have to read it? It's in Swedish. It has subtitles. And it's based on the book by um, L-A-S-S-E-H-A-L-L-S-T-R-O-M. That might have been the director or the author. I'm not sure. I think that was the director of the film. Okay. But um, then, of course, I love The Princess Bride, which is just an (laughs) all-time favorite movie. I just saw that for the first time, and I I guess I saw it when I was too old. And then, um, well, this may be Gail's, too, but it's Harold and Maude. Yes, you just stole my favorite movie. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. It's one of Plus, I've been acting like Maude lately. (laughs) Lately? And for... And for a while, I had a Harold, but he's moved to Dothan, Alabama. Gail's always out collecting Harolds. I don't know what you're talking about lately. (laughs) Yeah, I saw one of my Harolds yesterday at an art show. He was so cute. Oh, and then um, uh, The Garden of the Fitzy Contini, which is a great film. It's Italian. It's about a wealthy Jewish family in Italy, you know, pre-World War II. But it's it's a fabulous, beautiful movie. Those are my four. I, for some reason, I didn't write down four favorite movies, but I put a check mark by it. But Joe and I watch a movie every night, and Joe used to own a video store, so this kind of puts me on the spot. So I was trying to think of four movies that I personally will watch over and over again. One of them is The Buena Vista Social Club, which oh. is a documentary movie where Ry Cooter goes down to Cuba that. and looks for some musicians that used to have a club and gets them together to play. And, and I, can, I can watch that over and over and one that is a, in a similar... The Buena Vista what? Social club. You, okay. You'll like it. And it's just all the footage of Cuba. It's just fabulous. And the music, of course. And similarly, I can also watch The Last Waltz over and over again. And that's when the band, called The Band, the band got together to do their final goodbye. And it's just gorgeous. I love the band. Gail sometimes talks about writing that's so good that it's almost too good, like so much chocolate and... Too, too much cho- too much chocolate. So to me, the band is like salt and chocolate and sugar. It's just, I love them so much. So that movie, their big hurrah goodbye is beautiful. This is going to come as a surprise to those of you who know that I'm very attracted to Buddhism, for example. But I really love Apocalypse Now. I think it's one of the best movies in the world. I've seen it many times. I could mm-hmm. see it many more. And I... Every time I watch it, it's better. And another one I like 
that I've watched lots of times and remarkably will sometimes watch by myself is What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Have y'all seen that? I have. Long time ago. Long ago. Yeah, and it, long. it stars... Um, who does it star? Well, Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. But it's also the first time I've ever seen Leonardo DiCaprio. <clears> and <throat> he plays a mentally, I don't know what the proper word at this Challenge. moment is. I mean, we really thought they had found a child with these disabilities to play the part. He was so good. And then when he went through his sort of like teeny bop stage when a lot of people rolled their eyes at him, I never rolled my eyes at him because I'd seen him in that role. I just, it's a beautiful movie. Okay, there's four. All right then. Well, uh, how dare you, Margie, still Carol and Maude, <laughs> when you knew good. it was my favorite all-time movie. But I, because you did, I'm going to quote something Maude said in the movie. And I guess Harold said it too, but they're sitting by a lake in the moonlight. And he gives her a beautiful diamond because he loves her and he wants to marry her. And she looks at it and admires it and heaves it into the lake. And she looks at Harold and says, now I'll always know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, then, and it, the soundtrack is pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's um, Cat Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. And then Being There is a wonderful movie. And, uh, and Which I also just saw recently for the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's a Crazy. great movie where, what's his name, is the gardener. Um, the pink, gardener. pink Panther, what's his name? Peter, Peter Sellers. Sellers. Peter Sellers is, is the gardener. And my third choice, I guess I'm the only one in the world that would choose this, but it's Yesterday. And it's on Netflix now, and it's about <laughs> a, a young man who missed the sonic boom or whatever happened to the earth because he was flying in the air off his bicycle and everybody on earth had forgotten the Fab Four, the the Beatles. So he starts singing it. That is so good. It is such a good movie, a really good movie. And um, and I don't watch movies twice unless I forgot I watched them and watch them accidentally. But I've watched yesterday twice and... I recommend it. Oh, and uh, Ed Sheeran's in it. And he Ed Sheeran is like fabulous in it. And he has a writing contest with this guy. So if you haven't seen Yesterday on Netflix, and I think it's just free streaming, I recommend it. And then my last favorite is In Search of the Wilder Beasts. And, of course, this is one of Taki Watiti's uh, movies and He's brilliant, and the movie is fabulous. I like Jojo Rabbit, too, but I, that would be five. Yeah. In Search so. of the Wilderbe- Wildebeests? In Search of the Wilderbeest, W-I-L-D-E-R-B-E-A-S-T, ah, Wilderbeest. It's fabulous. What was the one in, in the shadows in New Orleans that was oh. about the little girl? Yeah, the bathtub was the name of it. Yeah. The Wild. Mm. Yeah, well, it started with Wild. That's I really love that movie, movie and I yeah. can't think of the name of it. I well, want to see it again. Well, when y'all think of it, let me know. Okay. So Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. yeah that's fun, too. That's funny. <laughs> I liked it, but I didn't love yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Now we're to our favorite actors and actresses, and Margie, you are up. Well, that's hard for me because I'm... Well, anyway, I'll tell you who I put. The first person I put was actually Nicole Kidman. I think she's really versatile, and she's been... She can be extremely humorous, mm-hmm. and then she can be really... And she's a, a good singer. I think she's all around. I love her in that movie series. That I mean, that oh, yeah. series on, on Netflix. Whatever it was. Or, or what, was I don't, it, it doesn't matter what it was on. It was good. <laughs> I can't it, remember it what it was. Really good. <laughs> it was really good. Oh, well. Yeah. And, and, and in that, too, she was... Uh, I, I put Reese Weatherspoon up there, too, because she's done a lot she's for... She's fun. Uh, 
Well, she's done a variety of roles, but she's done a lot for producing women, too, and producing things. Meryl Streep, I can't leave out because she's just she's so fab. fabulous. And then I thought, well, i got to put a man in there. And, hmm. I, you know, I just still love Paul Newman. Oh, I do, too. You know, Good I just choice. have to put Paul Oh, my gosh. There. Joe and I had to watch, like, 20 Paul Newman movies just recently. And I just got to say, y'all, they're not all really good. There's some bad Paul Newman movies there out are. there. But there's some good ones, too. Well, like he, he can just, just stand there and be quiet. And he it's was all very right. handsome. He's yes. just ridiculously handsome. He is Ridiculously handsome. handsome. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I didn't mind watching those movies at all. <laughs> Paul. Well, yeah. Those are my... I mean, there are so many great so many great people yeah and your sisters of mercy reminded me my husband joe's got um his hundred favorite movies on index cards and i think within his top three maybe is mccabe and mrs miller and it, that song features prominently is in that it. a good movie it is really good and i won't say any more about it because whatever i say will be the wrong thing because you know somebody else loves it so much who did i put in i just jumped into a stream of consciousness because i, I there's so many good actors and actresses out there. And Frances McDormand, I think, has the most amazing charisma. I can watch her eat cereal. I love her. And I still remember the first time I saw her in a movie because she was a friend of a friend. Okay, here's a real unpopular one. I don't appreciate the media circus recently on any level, but Johnny Depp as an actor, especially his early movies, just floors me, not just because he was so handsome. And in that movie, oh my goodness. Edward Scissorhands. No, the one where they send him off in a canoe at the end to die. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. Please forgive me. I'll write it down somewhere. Is one of my favorite movies in the world. I liked Edward Scissorhands too. I, I, just thought, I just think he was a really good actor. Look at, at Philip Seymour Hoffman. Damn it, dead. I, every movie that I saw him in, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen and every scene he was in. And a really odd, I love Tilda Swinson. I think she looks like a, oh, a, me too. a big, elegant spider. Um, <laughs> she's just enchanting. So there are four actors I really like to see on the screen. All righty. All righty. Well, I obviously am, am lacking in this area because I, I couldn't think of some I liked. But of course... First of all on my list, and actually only on my list, is Taiko Watiti because I think he's wonderful, and he's especially was fabulous in Jojo Rabbit, and where he played Hitler, and I recommend that movie highly. And then also, help me girls, who's Annie Hall? Oh. Um, this is the elderly trying to remember something. Who is the character, Annie Hall? No, I know the character. Who plays it? <laughs> We're going to just have to pause this one. Okay. I know, well, I, I, I know who it is. It's uh, like. I, okay. Well, that's one of my. Annie Hall, you're one of my faves. And so that is the only two I wrote down. But now we're to four favorite poets. And we're to Miss yes. Margie. All right. Here's. And I have many, but I would say Wallace Stevens. You, have to, you have to be brilliant to appreciate Wallace Stevens. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, who says play, I placed a jar in Tennessee? No one. <laughs> He's really great. W.H. Auden, I've always loved. And um, then Mary Oliver. And I love Billy Collins. You know, I really I do. I do, too. So those are four. Yeah. 
My stepfather Steve wrote a book about Wallace Stevens, by the way, and you can read it. And, oh my and goodness! I know it. It should be published. He sent it to a few people, and there's been some. Interest, he can publish it himself on Amazon, and we'll have a big party at the yeah. art house. Yeah. So I, I just am not familiar familiar enough with Wallace Stevens, even though I've read Steve's book. I like, of course, the popular poets that Margie named, and I love, you know, Ogden Nash. <laughs> oh, I do too. And yes. who wrote? Who wrote? Was it Edward Lear that wrote the Owl and the Pussycat? <laughs> Those are the poems I can do from memory. I don't read a lot of poetry, even though I should. I feel like I'm from a family of poet poetry appreciators, but yeah, I just don't know that I have favorites. But you know. I always like who 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 stole my jellyfish? I'm not jellyfish. No, I'm sorry. Who wants my jellyfish? By the way, that was Diane Keaton that we were trying yes, to think of. You talk you. about a synapse collapse. I don't know what the old people would do without their iPhones, especially the old people that know how to operate and, their and iPhones. And not to mention, I've seen Annie Hall a hundred times. Yeah, and. The movie that I was trying to think of that I love so much that everybody should rush out and see right now is called Dead Man with Johnny Depp. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Well, I um, my first uh, degrees were, were English degrees. So, of course, I've read so many poets that I really, when it came to naming four, I was stammied. So, when you mentioned Ogden Nash, though, Ogden Nash wrote this poem called Near and Far. And he says, near and far, near and far, I am happy where you are. Nice. Likewise, I have never learnt how to be where you aren't. <laughs> when you're upstairs and I am down, I might admit that I do frown. I love it. <laughs> so it was a great love poem. So I'd have to agree with that. But, you know, I could not pick a favorite poet. So I just picked my all-time favorite, Robert Frost, because I've probably memorized 20 Robert Frost poems just to... You know, something will happen and I start quoting Robert Frost. So I guess that's it. And I loved seeing him stand at the Kennedy inauguration. He couldn't read his poetry because the sun was in his eye and he was elderly. I think he was actually my age. But um, I have even been older. <laughs> but when he said we were the land before the land was ours, I just, my heart melted. It was wonderful. So Robert Frost. I have a quick thing to say about poets, which reminded me when you said that. When I was in college, um, I'll Allen Ginsberg came to speak, uh, came to do a reading at UMass, and it was at night in a classroom, and it was, um, so we went, and my mother went with me. We, you know, took the hour-long public transportation ride to UMass Boston, which was on an island, sort of. And there's Allen Ginsberg, and he read Howl, and I mean, it was just fabulous. Did he read Howl to the audience? Yes, and the audience, like, like I said, we were in a classroom, so there were people sitting on floors and on chairs and desks. He read Howl, we chanted we chanted together. We chanted Tiger, Tiger. Oh, my God. It was fabulous. And then all of a sudden, this man gets up and walks out. No. This crumpled man in the corner, this drunk, crumpled man in the corner stands up, and it's Gregory Corso. And he reads, should I get married? Should I be good? And Mama looked at me, and she says, I thought he was dead. <laughs> so I really enjoyed the Beat Poets after that fabulous experience well he came to Sophie Newcomb and I know a lot of you out there don't know what Sophie Newcomb is but it's the sister college for Tulane and now Tulane is sucked in Sophie Newcomb and there is no more Sophie Newcomb but when I worked there I worked in an office that was glassed in so when you walked into the main Sophie Newcomb building you see me and Alan Ginsberg walked in because he was reading at the student union that night. And he read Hal, and I had read Hal several times and didn't really like it mm. until I heard him read it. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was fabulous. But when he finished, I'd say 
maybe an eighth of the audience stood up and walked out. You're kidding. What no. did they expect? No. And I, it, what surprised me about it is, you know, Tulane and Sophie Newcomb were made up of some pretty amazing talent and brains. Yeah. Who knows why it happened, but the rest of us stayed. My mother gave me a hardback copy of Howl on my 21st birthday wow. as my introduction to adulthood. <laughs> so um, I've actually forgotten where the navigator here has forgotten where we are. Are we at our favorite poets? And we're to Miss Mary. No, no, we, we just we, did, we did poems. poems. We're in poems. Okay. Well, I'll start because I actually have many, <laughs> many favorite poems, but... Mending Walls by Robert Frost, I love. And yep. I love Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Yes. Twas Berlig and the Slithy Toe. Did Gyre and Gimble in the Wabe? Oh, Mimsy, where the burrow grows and the mum rats outgrabe. Yes, the Queen has memorized Jabberwocky because I used to read, I used to say it when everybody else could play the guitar and I couldn't, I'd just recite. <laughs> Emma used to recite it a good bit. And There's then a great I, film, a little cartoon that does that. Oh, really? I, I, I have to look for it. And then, man, is this relevant. I love John Donne's No Man is an Island, mm -hmm. entire of itself, and it asks for whom the bell tolls, and it tolls for thee. And just this morning on TV, I was watching the bell toll for the mm -hmm. queen. Not the queen gale. That other queen. And then last, my last favorite poem is The River Merchant's Wife by Ezra Pound. And I know many of our listeners mm -hmm. have never read it, read it so I'm going to say again. The River Merchant's Wife. I think every one of you should look it up online and read it. If you've, ever, it. if you've ever lost a loved one, especially, read it. So those are my favorite poems. And let's go backwards. Let's go to Mary. Well, I'm, I started this time by telling Gail and Margie, I don't really know much about poetry. I don't know if I have favorite poems. But all of these things we've talked about, I know. I know The River Merchant's Wife. And um, I was saying that when I was little, we used to, do some poetry out loud in our family and my favorite to recite out loud was the wreck of the hesperus and i was like i can't remember who wrote it well it was henry wadsworth longfellow i told you it was a romantic poet <laughs> i was going it's not a very romantic poem but i guess it is a lot of them weren't you know lashes his daughter to the mast so she won't die and then she's frozen to death it's that happened good. in the cat's table Oh. Yes, yes, the boys did that. Yeah, they tied themselves to the mask for well, the tornado. <laughs> yeah, the two dumb ones. And uh, I was dragged along at the time. I say dragged along, but I really enjoyed the poetry readings because my mother was a pretty serious poet at one time. And we went to with this one poetry reading, and I heard a man read Back to the Owl and the Pussycat, but he read it so seriously. And so I would imitate it, and my brother and I would, would recite it because we were pretty good at memorizing these things when we were little, and we would get to the... The moon, the moon. And, you know, read it like it was this really intense. You know, <laughs> there in the wood, a piggy wig stood. <laughs> it's kind of fun to read it that way. I like a lot of those Robert Frost poems. I used to make my students memorize them, and I'll do apologies. I made my students in sixth grade memorize If by Rudyard Kipling, and they did. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a pretty good poem. It's a long one. And I painted uh, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night on my bathroom when I was in college, much to the horror of my roommates. So that's obviously like Why can you not stencil very well? I was just enjoying painting on walls at the time. I see. So anyway, those are some poems I enjoy. I also really like, you know, Leonard Cohen's songs and Suzanne, which made it into that big Norton book of poetry. I was impressed that, you know, it was there. So She was evidently a kind of bad one, Suzanne. Ooh. 
in that movie about Leonard Cohen. Oh, lately. she takes you down to yeah. a place by the river and drowns you? A lot of people didn't like her. <laughs> we had the pleasure of seeing Leonard Cohen, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, before he died, but I meant, what I mean was recently, oh, recently. Like not long before he died, and um, I cried the entire time. I saw him after he died last <laughs> in Montreal. <laughs> I, I saw him in Montreal, what, uh, three months ago. La big sigh. I, I went to his grave. It's very easy to find people out there. If you're ever in Montreal, just go to the Jewish cemetery, walk up to the to the uh, benches, and turn right, and he's right there. L- Louis Prima's grave, on the other hand, is not easy to find. It's in a cemetery in New Orleans. It's as big as the city. So let me know if you ever have to find it. I've got written directions. Oh, good. <laughs> Next. <Okay. laughs> Next poems. Are we on poems? Yes. Okay. Poems. Um, well, one that I love is the Musée de Beaux-Arts by uh, W.H. Auden. And it's based, he's looking at a painting. I'm trying to remember. I was looking up the painter. It was an old master painter. And it's about the fall of Icarus. But, I mean, it shows this landscape and the only thing that you see about Icarus is these little legs sticking up <laughs> out of the sea. And every a plowman is plowing and everybody goes about their own thing. And, uh, the, you know, the point of the poem is we're so indifferent to other people's tragedies. Right. You know, all they saw was a flash and maybe a boy falling into the sea and then they went on <laughs> and did their thing. So it's... it's a so gr- they're not asking for whom the bell tolls. No, they're not. <laughs> it's not. They don't so care. On, on a lighter note, I love Billy Collins' two poems. One is called The Journal, that he talks about the importance of his journal, how he can st- stick it in his pocket. It goes up in the airplane. It goes on walks and everything where he can jot down, you know, little things. And then uh, the one about the lanyard, where it's he gave his mother a lanyard, and it's like, you've done, you gave birth to me, you fed me, and I gave you a lanyard. I made you a lanyard. <laughs> yes. I haven't read the one about the journal, though. I'll have to go find oh, it. Oh, it is a really, really good one. But, well, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, one time my son made me a um, pottery angel, and he painted it, it totally... Heather Green. It was for Christmas, so he thought the green would be good for this angel, and she looked like maybe she could kill several other angels. <laughs> just a bad, a bad color. And so I wasn't a very good mother, so I didn't put it up at Christmas, and he complained about it. So I gave it to his nanny, who was a good mother, and she put it in her house at Christmas, and that pleased him. <laughs> bad mother. I am a bad. I was a bad mother. I'm pretty good now that he can take care of himself, though. Well, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Another poem, Wallace Stevens, um, Six Significant Landscapes. And he, he talks about, I would give this to my drawing class. I would ask them to do drawings about one of the six. And the one that I kind of sticks in my mind is he's talking about looking at his shadow, you know, this shadow cast a long way. And in it, he sees ants crawling. And it's like, mm, I don't really like the way the ants are crawling in my shadow. You know, so it's there. Mm. And, of course, one that was very influential for me in college that I would read was uh, Yeats, W.B. Yeats, William Butler Yeats, The Second Coming. So, turning and turning, and ever widening gyre. Oh, yeah. How did we make it through this far without talking about Edgar Allan Poe? Dad, yeah. damn it, Gail, you got a cat in your yard. Oh, yeah, that That's cat. That's Bo. Bo cannot be there. He, no, Bo comes around. He is the uh, neighborhood cat, and his owner, I tell her, 
that he's wandering in my yard. And she said, oh, he loves to wander. Yeah, your yard is a sanctuary for birds. I know. But what I say to her is, if I wanted a cat, I could probably get one. You sure could. (laughs) So (laughs) Bo's a pleasant cat. I will say that. But yes, he's here to catch birds and squirrels. He caught a squirrel one day, but I managed to chase them both down and the squirrel was set free. But these things do not belong in this ecosystem. But these domestic y- cats, they you know, need to they go. Should, actually, they should be, uh, if you own one, they should be kept inside. Absolutely. And we should have cat laws, just like we have dog leash laws. If we let dogs run, that would take care of the cats. Okay, Mary, what poem is that? <laughs> I think that I shall never see. <laughs> a cat as lovely as a bird. <laughs> you know, um, Did you heard? <laughs> it, when we podcast, we podcast in the Queen's Castle. In the Queen's Castle, the entire back of the house is windows. So we can see what's going on, and that's why Mary knows that Bo's outside. We can watch. And For the record, I like cats, big cats and small cats. I just don't like these domestic cats eating the millions of songbirds that they kill every year. I like tigers. This I like jaguars. This is the same window that I was playing my keyboard, and uh, it was before I had my ear um, earphones, and so the whole household who's comprised of my husband and me <laughs> could hear me play terribly, and I looked out the window, and there was my husband sitting out in his truck, <laughs> and he had cotton in his ears. And he was drinking a beer, and it was 9 in the morning. So these these windows have told me a lot about myself. (laughs) Okay, where are we on the uh, Fab Fours? I think we're down to favorite fiction writers. And boy, could I have filled up that page. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, fiction fiction writers. writers. Four faves. Fabulous four fiction writers. And I could have done an entire podcast on my favorite fiction writers but we'll start with Miss Mary. Who did I list? I think I listed three. And this is, it's weird when you try to think of these lists because it's hard because you have so many. But I listed Ann Patchett immediately. And I listed Brian Doyle immediately. Oh, yeah. And I listed Barbara Kingsolver immediately. And then I just went, eh, I like a lot. Yeah. So I'm just going to hush and chime Well, Barbara Kingsolver is first on my list. And, um, of course, I love Doyle. But second on my list is Louise Erdrich. And then third on my list is John Irving because... He's I've, on my list. Is he? Yeah. I, I've read all of his books, and I, I, I think starting with, was it New Hampshire or was it uh, The World According to Garp? I don't know. But I don't know which was first. I've read all of his books. I guess maybe not his latest. I don't know if he has a latest book. But I thought he was... An, Absolutely fabulous writer. Me too. And then last is Peter Heller. And Peter Heller is kind of lighter than these other writers in his approach to fiction. However, he's a fabulous storyteller and really a good writer. And I wish he'd write more and more books. He does write nonfiction books. Did he write the book called Nothing Happened? No, Something Mm -hmm. Happened? Dog Stars. What did dog, Peter the have? dog stars. Okay. And he also wrote Celine C- or Celine. Celine. Hmm, Celine. Yeah. And The Painter. The Painter. And, oh, that one was and pretty the, good. And The River. Yeah. And one other, which escapes me at this point, but every one of them are just, I, you know, so readable. And the characters will just grab you. He wrote me. 
No. Yes, Margie, I know that. You stole my author. That's what made me Ooh. mad because he should have written me. Because <laughs> during COVID, I put up all these dogs that I'd painted all oh. over Auburn and asked people to comment. And he evidently read something about... But it was the, called the Dog Stars. It was called the Dog Stars. Yeah. And yeah, the Dog Stars. And so he wrote me and said, and, and I said it was inspired by his writing Oh, and you tagged him and he wrote you. Well, no, the it was in the Plainsman. They did an interview at the Auburn University newspaper. Uh-huh. They did an interview with me, and I mentioned the dog stars, and he must be reading all the papers. Yeah, so. he probably types his name into the search engine every day. Yeah. But listen here, Heller, if you want to get in the next <laughs> search engine, I want to hear more about, is, is her name... Celine, C-E-L-I-N-E, Celine. I think, I think it's Celine. She's a, a 80-something, isn't she? Yeah. Detective and marvelous. Oh, yeah, that was so good. It that was, was really good. good. And yeah. Yes, she was. And she had a husband that she kind of tagged along with her. Yeah. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it my turn? It is. Okay, so a writer's fiction. Don DeLillo. Uh, He's fun. He is fun. And uh, the book Underworld is just like un- unbelievable, uh, just the depth. John Irving was on my list. Also, I really enjoy all of Elmore Leonard's writing. He's just so great with dialogue, and it's just such, you know, fun reads. And then Thomas Perry is a writer, did this whole series on Jane Whitefield, who's this native um, person. She's an... I think she's Canadian, but she might actually be from one of the tribes up north, but she helps people escape and hides themselves. It's a great mystery series. Plus he wrote, oh, The Butcher Boy, and he also wrote the latest thing that's been on TV, um, The Old Man. That was amazing. Well, the book Hmm. is really even better than the TV thing. The book is great. So uh, that's Thomas Perry for me. I mean, there's so many, but... There's so many. I think... Usually when I read fiction, I really enjoy it and I like it a lot, but it's if I start to think about the writers that I read over and over again, they're usually nonfiction writers. Mm. Yeah, I've got a book for you, but I can't remember the name, but I've got the picture on my phone, so I'll be sending okay. it to you very soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just would look, I opened my Goodreads and I'm like, oh, I like all these fiction writers, but I'm not going to do that to y'all. Are we to, <laughs> are we to you, though, on books you like? On um, books I like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well... One of my top favorite books in the world is one that Gail gave me, which is Mink River by Brian Doyle. And she introduced me to Brian Doyle. Mink River was my gateway book. And I've pretty much read every single book I can get my hands on and every essay. And I love him beyond the beyonds. But I think the fiction book Martin Martin is I like even better than Mink River. But it's hard to. You know, it's hard to say because Mink Liver. Is that about Mink his, Liver? Mink River was my first. Was that about his brother? Mm-mm, it's a fiction book about a boy named Mar- oh, about okay. a Martin, an animal Martin. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Mink River. I didn't read that one. But I will say that you he didn't wrote read me. Mink River. Yes, I did read. Oh, yeah. I didn't read Martin Martin. Everyone out there must read Mink River. Well, he has a lot of nonfiction as well. But you were talking about people that wrote you. He wrote me because I I sent him. I read an essay about his brother who had died, and I sent him a little email saying something because, as most people know, my brother died. And he wrote me back, and it was just, it made me feel so important because I loved him so much. And then he died, which makes me sad. All right, another book that I keep by my bed and can pick up and just read at any time because I love it so much is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I just Mm -hmm. love it. Something, every sentence in the book I love. I don't know what the deal is. 
one summer I read only, all summer long, Brian Doyle and Annie Dillard. And that was the best reading summer of my life. So I was like, okay, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek is one of my favorite books in the world. And a book I've read several times. The first time I read it, I was in about fourth grade, is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. It introduced me to a huge world of everything from isolation and loneliness to sexual predators to not fitting in to unions to New York City. And, you know, I grew up in Alabama. So it was just a huge coming of age book for me and about a girl who I really related to and even reading it as an adult I still relate to that mm-hmm. to that character so I have a lot of favorite books but those are four all right my favorite four which is just about impossible to <laughs> say yep. is one of them is this is happiness my friend Rita Grimsley Johnson told me to read it by Williams I think that's one of my all-time favorite books. And what I liked about it as a writer is it had a little teeny tiny subject idea that was expanded into the most beautiful book. Just taking a little teeny thing that's happening in an Irish village, they were getting Mm -hmm. electricity, and writing such a glorious book. But that's called This is Happiness. Now, Gail, getting electricity is a big thing. Yeah, but (laughs) the subject is narrow. The subject is very narrow. It's not like you have a broken heart or you killed your yeah uh, someone in your company that was going to expose you. You know, there's a lot of big subjects that you can write about, but this was a teeny tiny subject that he expanded into something quite beautiful. See, that's that's the writing I like. I'm bored to death by an exciting plot. I'd much (laughs) rather read. You know, I like them all. I like the the littles. And I'm mentioning this next book because it's my, I have a a favorite book every year and I'm so shallow, but anyway, last year it was uh, Becoming Duchess Rosenblatt, which thrilled me. Oh, yeah. And this year it's Lessons in Chemistry. Huh. I know it's now getting around the circuit because everybody's starting to ask me if I read Lessons in Chemistry. So uh, it's a wonderful, fun. Is that our next book club book? I don't know. I'm in two book clubs, and I read the wrong book for each book <laughs> club. I switched them, and so um, I'm going to have to pay closer attention to which book club is reading what. But we're re- I know we are reading it. And then third, The Prince of Tides by Conroy mm-hmm. is uh, such an amazing book that it's in my top favorites. I don't know if it's in my top favorite four, but it is unbelievable. I wish I could write that well. And then last, I'm going to mention a book that not many people read but should, and it's called The Last Report of Miracles and Little No Horse. And I'll Mm -hmm. say that again, The Last Report of Miracles and Little No Horse. And uh, I recommend it very highly. This is making me just want to stop everything and and go read. read. Uh Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, okay. You know what a series I loved was, and I didn't mention him as a favorite author, was Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And those such brilliant characters. And just it gave you a real sense of what the Old West might have really been like. And you didn't want to be there sometimes, <laughs> you know. But it was, Oh, my God. I hate the Old West. I, well, yeah. It was like he brought that out. But he Ugh. had such great characters. In that, in Lonesome Dove, the three books that were so, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean that I hate that. I've watched a lot of those books, but the yeah. thought of being in that time. Oh, yeah. Well, uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, no. 
unless you were in what was the what was the TV show that uh, about the old Bonanza or something? No, 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 no. Um, oh, I'll have to think of it. It was. Um, I guess it was on Netflix. It's. Oh well, for, I'm, I'm on something else. Deadwood. Deadwood. Oh my God, Deadwood is one of the best shows in the <laughs> world, but no, it doesn't make me want to be in the world. No, no it doesn't. But Deadwood is fantastic. Thank you for that. Deadwood Mary. is so good. Okay, come on. Okay. <laughs> Uh, a Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. Oh, that fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Oh, Cider House yeah. Rules by Cider John Irving. Yeah. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. He did one about the circus. I can't remember. It was, it was really great. I'm just, he did some weird ones, too, about the third hand. It was. I am like, one of the few people in the world who smite me dead. I'm not a John Irving fan. I've read about six books. <laughs> I think I've given it a good he shot. Does, he does some that kind of go out on a limb, but it's like, you know. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I, I love them. Dom DeLillo. I mean, my favorite of his is actually Underworld because it just has so many layers. And um, Thomas Perry, who I mentioned before, the Jane Whitefield series is really fun, but also the beginning book is called The Butcher Boy, and, and it leads into a whole series of these characters that are flawed, but they're survivors, and I just think he's, you know, he's like a action-packed read. You know, it's not, it, I mean, he's, not, he's a good writer, but it's really, they're a good plot, plot-driven. That's it. Okay. <clears throat> well, that brings us down to... Sayings? For our favorite sayings, and you know, of course, we, the mystics always say, be the flame, not the moth, which is not only a good saying, it's so true. <laughs> but I, I could not think of, I, I just couldn't come up with four. So I, I got two of my favorite. One of them is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I like that one. It took me forever to learn that lesson. You know, if I just thought, just thought that the uh, drains needed uh, Roto-Rooter, I'd call them. And uh-huh. see, that gets expensive. Just wait till the they don't... <laughs> drain yeah that's when you that's when you call that yeah and it's a crazy just if it ain't broke don't fix it this one i honestly think i can't quite remember but i think it came from that book called um everything i know about life i learned in kindergarten maybe that's it and he it's what he wrote for his son going off to college isn't that right Mm -hmm. but anyway this thing i love and it reminds me of me and it says be brave even if you aren't no, yeah, I like that. nobody knows the difference. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. I just my brain. I'll do it just again. <laughs> Be brave, even if you aren't. Nobody knows the difference. I like that a lot. Me too. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking of sayings too. A stitch in time saves not saves nine. Is that <laughs> is that really true though? Yes. Yes, that is As a true. seamstress. That is true. <laughs> Another quote from the Bible that I always got wrong was um, Jesus wept. Oh, Jesus wept. Swept. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> he's left. Uh, no, the, it was like spare the rod, spoil the child. And I thought that meant you should spare the rod and spoil your child because it was good to spoil <laughs> I your I like child. your interpretation. And <laughs> who's to say that you're not right? Right. So I, I like that. One of my misinterpretations of the Holy Bible. Um, I'll try to think of some more. I had a hard time with saying Yeah, this. I did too. I had one that changed my life that I took from The Artist's Sway. And I I love misinterpretations. I still call that book The Art of Sway. (laughs) And that was this, I don't know how to say his name, G-O-E-T-H-E, Goethe. Goethe. And that is action has power, magic, and grace. And that changed my life because I was having a 
time of long inaction. And then I thought of things I say all the time. People probably want to kill me, but I say onward and upward. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, I used to say up and at them too. And Gail, you made me think of something about the not broke, don't fix. And this is one I find myself saying in my head all the time, and I need to live it better. Not everything that can be corrected needs correcting. That one I have I struggle with as a fixer. Oh, that's a wife's uh, mantra, isn't it? I, need, I know some husbands <laughs> that need to hear it too. And my favorite oh, we're saying talking about our husbands. In the universe. <laughs> and I was thinking of my dad. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My favorite saying in the universe makes absolutely no sense. It comes from my friend uh, Monica Owsley. We were doing this same conversation on a road trip one time. And she goes, well, my favorite saying is this. We're not milking horny Dalila in the bucket lid for John Buck. I said, what <laughs> the heck? What? So let me break it down. Here's what the saying is. In, in her family, they say it so often that they finally now have just, they just look at each other and say, John Buck. All right. We're not milking horny Delil in the bucket lid for John Buck. So I was like, okay, take me back. So apparently there was this person in their family named John Buck, and he really liked the milk from this certain cow. And the cow's name was Horny Delil. <laughs> and he didn't want the milk just in the regular way that you get milk. He wanted it in the lid, the bucket lid. Of I the didn't milk know buckets had buckets. lids. I didn't either. They so, must drop them over the bucket or something. When somebody wanted something special just for them, they would say, well, we're not milking horny Delil in the bucket lid for John Buck. <laughs> well, I could, like, for the next hour and a half, Memorized I sat in it. the back seat and I said it so many times that I could say it fast like I just did. I even wrote a poem for Monica with that in it because I think that is so much fun. So We'll put it on the website. Maybe I'll, maybe it should be the next. Yes, we'll put yes. it on the website. Yeah, See if you can find a bucket with a lid to put yeah. on there. Monica, chime in. <laughs> and why did you name the cow Horny Delil? <laughs> Who knows? John Buck. I, I have, I've thought of one that is said at Christmas. You get what you get, and you don't fit your fit. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard a saying from a friend that I swim with. We were talking about something someone did, and her mother used to say this, and her mother was kind of old-fashioned, but it won't do to tell. It won't do. <laughs> it won't do to tell. All right, we're down to our four favorite journalists, and I'd like to start off because I'm just going to name mine. We're not there? No, we are. No, we are. Oh. No, I have a hard time. Okay, I've got Bob Woodward. Yeah, Carl thanks. Bernstein, Rita Grimsley Johnson, our good friend, and Andrew Yawn. Does anybody out there know who oh, Andrew Yawn we is? We have a tangential oh, connection no. to Andrew Yawn. We do. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you tell us a little bit about Andrew Yawn? Well, he came. He's oh, one me. of the. He's one of Gail's um, heralds <laughs> that she picked up along the way. And he's a cute one too. He, he is, is cute. Uh huh. Well, he came to a mystic meeting, and we said the word tangential. And for no, he came to interview us. He came to interview for us for the Plainsman. Oh, that's he's a right. We're so famous. For some reason, when somebody said the word tangential, everybody everybody poked each other. <laughs> and now, anytime I hear the word tangential, I think of Stick Andrew Yon, and I touch, I reach out and touch someone. Yeah, and I was the one that Andrew Yon touched. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but you know, he's gone on to big and better things. I think he writes for the Times Picayune now, and also, what's that newspaper that comes out every day all the time? Um, 
da-da. USA Today. USA Today. And he was with the Montgomery Advertiser and may still be there. But he's not, you know, just plain Andrew Yawn anymore. He's originally from New Orleans, and I think his father was a chef there. Mm. And that's a wonderful place to be a chef and to Mm -hmm. grow up with your parents being able to cook like that. (laughs) But I miss old Andrew Yawn, but I see him all the time on uh, newsy things. I'm going to go looking for him. My favorite journalists are all journalists because I'm so mortified by he who shall not be named saying that the media is the enemy, the end, that journalists are, you know, the bad guys. Who said that? He who shall not, not be named. Oh, I see, the devil. Baltimore. Voldemort. <laughs> the devil. I, um, you know, I, and you guys may not consider this person a journalist, but I do because she really goes in depth, and that's Rachel Maddow. Oh, yeah. She really does dive into things. And I, you know, I'm sorry she's not on every night. Because does she do her research? She does do her research. And um, she's researched big oil. She's researched, you know, uh, oh, so many things. But she really is smart. And, it, you know, I do love her. Investigative uh, journalists. Not the yeah. ones who just sit there and say stuff. Yeah. But the ones who learn stuff. I like them. Somebody I love, too. I don't know if it, he it, he's a personality as Anderson Cooper though because I just think he's so sweet and also like I don't know I just he has such an interesting life and story and those two I'm you know I don't know who else I'm, I'll leave those two I know they're they're left leaning but still I love them okay and our our gatekeeper has said that we're kind of running out of time but we are going to go ahead and do the the artsy fartsy part for our wonder our favorite artsy and uh we will stop in the middle of of our fab four outline because when the queen wrote it she had no idea what she was doing until she started trying to fill it out so we're going to finish out uh with first our four favorite visual artists and second our four favorite museums and then we'll uh, go to our mystic moments, and we'll start with you. Okay. Well, two of my favorites from the 20th century that, that I, I love are Rene Magritte, Surrealist, and uh, Joseph Cornell, who did assemblages and boxes. And then more contemporary are, are, are Kehinde Wiley, who did the Obama portrait. I love his work, and I, I just think this it's... This recent Obama portrait or the yes, first one? The one where he's sitting among the... Uh, Ivy. Ivy. and the, That's in the National Gallery. You yeah. know he has a new portrait for the White House. Yeah. Did he do that one too? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. No, I don't think he did it. No, no he I didn't don't do think that so. one. Yeah, but that one's wonderful. It is wonderful. And then I also love Carol Walker, who is just, uh, she's an African-American artist, uh, just such depth in her work and such statements. So I, she is a, a real favorite. So Carol Walker, look her up, watch okay. videos on her. I'm just passing for time's sake because I didn't write them down and I don't know who I would say. Well, we're to me. Margie Bright-Raglan. Well, that was my fourth one. (laughs) That was my fourth one, but uh, I have Margie down too. But I did all my four visual artists in the area. Now, I can't say they are my top favorites because almost all the people I know in my area that do art are amazing, mostly Margie. But they Thank are you, amazing. Queen. So I uh, listed the three who's uh, collected their work the most. And I love them for that. 
And the first one is Marianne Casey, who is just Mm -hmm. a brilliant painter. And I am so lucky to have her work. And second is my love and favorite art artist, R.C. Hagens. I'm crazy about him, and I'm crazy about his art. And I bought a piece of his art yesterday. And, Margie, if you'll look behind me, you'll see it. Oh, nice. Thank you all. Thank you all. Um, and then last is Belinda Kreider. And I have oh, I her Santos her dolls sitting on my mantle here. And just looking at them gives me joy. But this doesn't mean there are. And then, of course, fourth was Margie, who Mary stole from me. Our Margie is, is uh, an amazing artist. And and I don't know what her, the people who, when Margie goes to the Great Divide and her children have to figure out what to do with all her artwork that she has done, <laughs> I think it's going to be a task. Could be a bonfire. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be a monumental task. Oh, my mama. <laughs> She's my favorite visual artist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I thinking? Well, I wish I'd said that, too, because oh. she's, she's amazing. That's she, Rena Williams. <laughs> yeah, amazing artist. And we had the pleasure of going to Steve's home that he shared with Rena and seeing all the art collection. And it just, you, well, you could never see it all. You'd have to go live with Steve to see it That's all. Right. Okay, and now we're to our favorite museums, and I have some favorites to you Margie I do I have mil, mil, mil. okay I love the V&A in London the Victorian Albert Museum I know that they stole things from all over the world but I still love that museum <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh well of course the National Gallery um, in London and the National Gallery in DC great the Louvre in Paris well like it's it's wonderful the Prado in Madrid I mean these are all really famous museums and of course, the Met in, in uh, New York. There's so many good museums all over the Are world. Are you I counting can't. up to four? Yeah, this I, I can't. I can't. I have yeah. to stop. But there, there are many more <laughs> small museums that are equally good. Just, you know, big, bold ones came to mind. Yeah, that, well, frankly, all of these subjects are, are huge. But I, I have a favorite in my heart. It's the Borghese Gallery in Rome because when I went to see my oh, grandmother in Rome, I, I was able to. That ride my bicycle over there by myself and I just fell madly in love with the gallery and especially Bernoulli's David. That is the uh, one, really one of my top two. Yes. Yeah. Top ones. Yeah, it's I've been there too. Gorgeous. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, let's well, go back. And for those of you who can't make it to Italy, there's so many good tours online. I'm, I'm not able to travel much anymore and that's sad for me and I try to not be jealous of people who do. The Field Museum in Chicago is Maybe my favorite oh, natural history fabulous. museum. I just fabulous. could live and die there. Yeah, it takes days to really see the oh, Field yeah. Museum. Yeah, it's so good. And of course, I've listed the National Gallery in D.C. Formative years, and and the Dali Museum in Spain. Uh, no, in, in Florida. In Florida, <laughs> in uh, Jackson, uh, St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. <laughs> Is it St. Petersburg? Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. I mean, you just talk mm-hmm. about a fun museum, the Salvador Dali Museum. So. Those are four of the ones I like, but I really like museums a lot. I do, too. And uh, luckily, when my son travels with me, we go museum crazy. And we usually try to find the weirdest museums we can possibly find. And I'm going to mention the first one of my favorites is the Museum of Jurassic Technology. And if you don't have a weird sense of humor, don't go. But if you do then I recommend it so highly. It's not exactly in L.A. It's in one of the burbs, isn't it, of L.A.? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's in, I'll call it L.A. And then also uh, in L.A. is, oh wait, the Urban Light Museum, and it's next to the tar pits. Oh yeah, La Brea tar pits. And it's 202 street lights that the city has kept in their, um, uh, I guess just the repair department kept them, but they're from all the ages of Los Angeles as as soon as there were lights. And so they've got them installed right there in front of the museum next to the tar pits. And there's 309 lights. And when you go there, there are people, bands, having their picture taken. It's just a magnificent thing to see at night. It's called the Urban Lights. Then, let's see. Oh, yeah. This is a museum, I, d- I do estate sales, and I, um, when I find black amelia, we don't sell it because I think the content is questionable. So we mail it to Ferris University that has the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Mis- Memorabilia. And I've not made it there yet, even though I have several things to give them from some of my estate sales. But I go online and look at it occasionally, so I'm going to count it as a museum I've visited. And actually, when I mail them stuff that we don't sell in our sales, but rather donate to this museum, I get thank you notes from the Jim Crow Museum. And so I think I'm probably the only person in Auburn, Alabama, that's ever received a thank you note from this museum, but I'm, I'm proud to have it. And I think that's the only three I listed. You didn't list the Getty? Oh, no. I, was, I, I, I know the other one. I love the Getty. But I love the Freer Museum in uh, Washington because it's all Asian art, and I just love Asian art. And so if you're ever in Washington, it gets looked over a lot because people mm-hmm. – it's in the Smithsonian area, and I think it even may be part of the Smith- There's Smithsonian. There's so many great museums down that mall. I mean – Well, I would say the Freer is just tops, especially if you love Asian pottery and, you know – Lion, castle lions, dogs, whatever you call them. Two dogs. Yeah. So anyway, that's it for the Fab Four. We have lots more left on our list, but we've run out of time. One, and so one more museum I would recommend is our own here in Auburn. Oh, yeah. The Jewel Collins. Absolutely. And they have a really fabulous show on right now that features the, I think it's Wiley. Let me get my thing, my notes here. Collection. It's uh, an African-American family that collected everything about the diaspora of of black people coming to this country and it's really worth seeing so jewel collins on college yeah we're so lucky to have it it has a huge audubon collection but they do and i'm mad for audubon and what they're doing now is they're inviting artists to do something with the audubon collection so they they take an artist is invited to take the audubons and then to Use them, but expand on it in a way. To look at Margie, the this is right up your alley-oop. I know. It <laughs> is. It is. But it's, I just went. Not take the Audubons, but look at the Audubon look images. And also display them. Yeah. Along with things that inspired, that they brought out in them that could be to- totally different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. We are to our mystic moment. And uh, we'll start with Miss Mary. Did you have a mystic moment this week, Mary? Yes. This morning, reading Margaret Wrinkle's essay this morning in the New York Times it, it's about well it's it, it has a part of it about 
now that her parents have gone on to the next world and her children are grown, she's able to appreciate things the way she appreciated them as a child. And she was saying that when the caretaking part of your brain is freed up, then here comes all your appreciation for the things that amazed you. And I feel that all the time now. But I think for me, I relate it more to being postmenopausal because I'm so biological in the way I think. And from the time you're 12 to 50, you're, you are a vessel for, you know, mating and procreation. That's what biology says. So Not if you me. survive it, <laughs> hormonally, if you survive it, then once you're done with all of that, you get to be who you were before you were 12 years old. And that is who I've been for the last several years. And I feel it really, really strongly. And it made me happy to see somebody else say it uh, in a different way. It was very mystical. I had a totally different experience than that. Okay. Because I think the very best thing, well, of course, I only had one child, you know, so I don't have three. (laughs) Mary and I have three. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that would take up some time. But for me, I think the very best thing you can do for your child is to lead your very best life as an example so -hmm. that they can lead their very best life. I agree. Oh, I agree, too. But it doesn't change your chemistry and the way your brain works. I've never had any chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) You're nothing but chemical (laughs) signals, Gail. Come on, You're a walking pile of signals. (laughs) Miss Cougar herself. (laughs) I'm not talking about attraction. I'm talking about the way your brain works. (laughs) <laughs> works and thinks and your response to hormones. Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of becoming, well, I've always been a child, but be, e- either be becoming more of a child, <laughs> which is great. My mystic, unmystic moment was when Gail called this morning at 10 after 10 and said, are you coming to the podcast? And I said, well, it's at one. And she went, it's at 10. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah we've changed our uh, time because Mary has taken on an a huge job as an after-school director, and I did this at one time, which caused me to go on a drug. (laughs) Uh, And also, I became extremely allergic to children. (laughs) They made me sneeze. But anyway, we're to my Mystic Week and um, my Mystic Moment this week. And one morning, on uh, September 8th, I was looking out the window at my hummingbird feeders, and it's about time for the hummingbirds to leave, and they're feeding, feeding, feeding to get fat. They've quit the last couple of days as the temperature has lowered a little bit, but and there were 16 or 17 hummingbirds around each of our feeders, and I thought, those hummingbirds are going to leave soon, and I'm not going to get to see this till next September. It was right at dawn when this was happening, and so... I thought, this looks like a mobile. And I immediately went to my computer and wrote a poem. And I know we're long on time, but I want to read this poem because it's about everyone's leaving, everyone's migration. And it's called Preparing to Migrate. It's a very short poem. It is September, the miniature birds surround the sweet water feeder, landing and fleeting, soaring and circling, like an ever-changing calder mobile. Just a momentary piece of beauty, and I, in my 75th year, will be the keeper of this memory. Soon the Hummers will leave following an ancestor's path, coursing to a finer winter place. And in a while, not too distant a September, I too will migrate. So I wrote this poem about leaving in the early morning, and at noon they announced the queen had died. Just as I was Uh. writing this poem, 
<laughs> she was dying. And so it was my mystic moment. Bring in the tears, yes. Gail. Oh, my gosh. Not about the queen, no offense, but the whole migration thing. Yeah. So that's my poem. Uh, well, here we are at the end of a broadcast and podcast, not broadcast. I guess they're the same thing. And the only thing I have to say to you guys is remember. Be the flame. We're not milking horny Delil in the bucket liver jump box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is it. That is it. Read it again one more time. We're not milking horny Delil in the bucket lid for John Buck. Yes, and you be the flame, Mary. Not the moth. The moth. <laughs>